Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi everyone, today we're talking about how to reduce your waste and live more consciously. And to lead this conversation, I'm joined by recognized Canadian blogger and author, Tara McKenna, who is the writer behind the Zero Waste Collective blog and the author of the new bestseller, Don't Be Trashy, a practical guide to living with less waste and more joy. You will learn everything from how to reduce food waste and build a more conscious kitchen, to how to shop more sustainably and reject the waste that comes into your life. Plus, she shares an exciting challenge to help you start your low to zero waste journey today. Be inspired to take action now to reduce your waste, improve your life, and help transform the lives of others and the health of our planet. So to start a discussion today, can you share a brief background on your lifestyle before your journey to low waste living and then go into the experiences that inspired you to make changes? Yeah, for sure. You know, I always say like, this book is really a culmination of like 10 years of my life. So when people might look at this book and feel like there's a lot in there, it, it's because it didn't happen overnight. And so a lot of different things happened at different stages of my life that really led to this. The thing is, I've always kind of been interested in sustainability. And so that's always been kind of something in my life, but it didn't really connect it to my consumption per se, right? So I think all of us to a certain degree have had some awareness of like our ecological footprints has been kind of a trendy term for quite a while now, but it's not like I was like, oh my, I couldn't make a direct connection other than like, okay, car usage, flying, those kind of like main things. It's not like my trash output was like one of those things originally or my clothing shopping or any of those more detailed habits. Like I'm, I'm going back to like the early 2000s, like basically anywhere pre 2010. So the waste piece kind of came to me when I went to Bali. I have family that lives in Indonesia. And so when I went to Bali um, for vacation, family vacation, we went snorkeling and I just saw so much trash while snorkeling and it really devastated me. And, and I guess this is quite common and I didn't realize this in Southeast Asia to have this, you know, you could go on a good day when the tide has like, you know, washed away the trash and you might not see any trash but I just happened to be out there on a day where there was lots, right? And so I was like really devastated because, you know, I thought of Bali as this really tropical destination in Indonesia and it is, it's so, so gorgeous, but I was just really sad about all the trash and I was like, what do I do? And this was before it was trendy to talk about, you know, plastic waste in our ocean. And I don't mean to say that so lightly. I just mean like people weren't talking about it. It wasn't something in every, you know, news outlet, like it wasn't in the media. Anyway, the whole point is I was really shocked and I was just like, what do I do? I felt kind of overwhelmed. And it's not like I was like thinking about my own personal lifestyle, but you don't have to go to Bali, Indonesia to see trash. Like I see like litter all the time here at home. And certainly Canadians contribute to trash locally, just like litter goes into our rivers, which goes into our lakes, which makes its way into our oceans. But, you know, it doesn't always make that <laughs> it sometimes stays in our Great Lakes or wherever. Yeah, so I didn't really connect it to my lifestyle, but eventually within like a few years, I kind of found like the zero waste movement, but also in there, I had like a couple other things happen and I, you know, stumbled upon minimalism, right? Kind of around like the same time, kind of like a year apart where my husband and I moved into a century home and the closets were so small and I could not fit all of my clothes 
And I didn't think I had that many clothes, but I had way too many clothes to fit in the closet, to fit in my drawers. I still, you know, I filled both. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, even my husband and I couldn't even share a closet. My closet was a spare bedroom closet. Oh so, so I was just like, oh my gosh, I had way too much. So I discovered minimalism because I was like trying to figure out how to organize my stuff. And then I realized I didn't need to organize my stuff. I needed to like get rid of a bunch of stuff. So I, I Marie kondo my house before her name was even in my house. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of things happening all around the same time. <laughs> no, I, I love how minimalism and environmentalism just so perfectly go hand in hand. Um, another great part of your book, because I followed people who do zero waste lifestyles and it's very inspiring, but it's also very challenging to get mm-hmm. to that point. And I, I love that you talk so much about low waste because that's so much more doable and approachable to people. I just moved in with my boyfriend and I brought my garbage can, which is a lot smaller than a normal garbage can. And he was like, Oh my God, we can't, what is this? We can't use this. I'm like, no, I'm like, we don't need to produce that much garbage. Like I'm going to teach you how to live this lifestyle. It's so easy once you get going with it. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about how people, you know, it's just more approachable to do a, a low waste instead of trying to get to the zero waste, which can seem really intimidating. Yeah. And you know what? It's even intimidating for me. So the whole idea of zero waste living is just to reduce your waste. So you create like as minimal trash as possible. But I think for the most part, that's, that's just not realistic for most people. Right. Like, and I think over the years, you know, the lifestyle has been popularized and made iconic by like having the little trash jar, right. Like, you know, trying to fit an entire year's worth of trash in a jar, And it's like, okay, well, that's not realistic for most people. That might be the extreme ends of the spectrum, but just like everything else in life, you know, you have like the, I'm not going to do anything. And then I'm going to have to do everything. Right. So I started here, like not doing very much. And then I learned about the lifestyle and I was trying to get here and I got really close to like zero waste and it just wasn't really sustainable for our household. Right. So sustainable living has to be sustainable for you. And it just got to a point where it wasn't. So that's why I was like, oh, this needs to be more of a low waste thing. And I think the problem is for me is that a lot of people put, you know, environmentalism and environmentalists on a pedestal. It's like, oh, you have to live like this. And that drives me bananas because we all share this planet. So why is it only environmentalists have to live more eco-friendly and the rest of us can just go do whatever Mm. or environmentalists cannot do anything that is not environmental right so for example I just took a vacation and I was on a plane quite frankly I grew up in the Middle East my dad's a pilot I've been on and off planes my whole life so it's like well I'm toast if you want to calculate my carbon (laughs) footprint you know what I mean but does that mean because I have that lifestyle that I shouldn't do anything right but that's why I'm like okay my book is not here to tell everybody how to be as zero waste as possible, unless that's what you want. So for me, I'm like more of the mind of progress over perfection. I don't want to be like confined to a specific box of a lifestyle, but also I do want to make an effort and I think we all can. So it's just figuring out what parts make sense for you to contribute to, right? For example, we have a baby, we do cloth diapering. Not everyone's going to do cloth diapering, but maybe they have an electronic vehicle or don't even have a car in their household, right? So for them, they might, you know, do something that seems disposable and not zero waste, but something else in their life is. So I don't like to see it as so black and white. I want to live in the gray in the sense that like, there are so many ways to reduce your waste, do what works for your household. 
but I don't want to see people completely ignoring the fact that we can live with less and, and have a, a lower impact. But the amount of criticism that I see is the hard part, right? Because people are criticizing on social media. Like I remember when I started documenting my lifestyle and people were like, oh, well, you consume dairy. You can't be an environmentalist. Mm. You're not vegan. You have to be vegan to be an environmentalist. And I was just like, okay, well, if I listen to the people on the internet that I don't know, then maybe I would give up completely, right? Yeah. So let's just move on with what works for us. And that's why, like you said, like low waste living is makes so much more sense, right? So people might come into my home and not realize that immediately that we're low waste unless they take a closer look and they find some things like, oh yeah, you do this or you do that, right? So yeah, it's not about being perfect at all. So for um, Lauren and I, when, you know, I'm more of the minimalist adopter and over the years, just by removing the excess in my life, I've actually started to live more consciously in every other area. Right. And so there's things that I've, I've replaced so that I'm reusing things and I'm, I'm being more environmental in my home. Now, when it comes to helping others ease their way into conscious living, can you share a couple of common everyday wasteful habits and how we can replace them with with sustainable ones? Yeah, for sure. So if this is like completely new to people, I always like to suggest doing a zero waste kit because it's pretty simple and, and easy to kind of put together. And for the most part, people have all the items already that can go into a zero waste kit. But, you know, making sure you use a reusable water bottle, you know, reusable coffee cup. I know the pandemic has made it a bit harder to do some of these reusables, but a lot of the, the stores are, you know, coffee shops and places are starting to use reusables again. They're allowing them again, which is nice. But yeah, so then utensils or, you know, reusable shopping bags and, and just all the things that you think you might use throughout your day that might be you know, something that would be disposable, grab the reusable version, make your own little kit and have it in your backpack or put it in your car if you're driving or, or whatever your lifestyle is and do again, what works for you. So, you know, if you, you're worried it's going to take up too much space and choose the smaller options of the items, right? Because you don't need to have a massive tote bag. if you know, a tiny little one bag that reusable bag that, you know, folds up, right? Like, you know, you can do what works for you. Um, and maybe you don't think you need utensils that day, that's fine. Just grab what you think you need, make a little kit and have it easy on hand. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I went to the grocery store and I totally forgot my reusable bag. But then if you have your kit ready, it's already in your car, then just, you know, you're ready to go. So that's a very simple way for you to reduce your waste throughout your day. That is just like a no brainer. And then if you're interested in going a little deeper than that, I suggest checking out some of the cool zero waste swaps that you can make at home. So for example, there's a lot of disposable stuff in the kitchen, in the bathroom, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but for example, like one of my favorite swaps was changing from um, shampoo bottles and conditioner bottles to shampoo and conditioner bars. And that is a really easy way to reduce plastic waste in your bathroom or simply removing, you know, the disposable plastic wrap and switching that for beeswax wraps or or um, another one that I like is ditching paper towel and using Swedish sponge cloths, which are really fantastic and really pretty. So the cool thing is about a lot of the disposable versus reusables is that reusables are investments that last long term. You know, they reduce clutter and you, you save money in the long run, which is really cool, too. Yeah. I was going to mention the money aspect. You definitely save money. Uh, I, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I still drink milk. 
I, I'm, majority of time, I, I actually, I don't do much dairy, but I do do milk in my coffee. And, uh, I started getting the, the glass bottles and then you get money back for, for returning. So it's so smart. And I love the idea yeah. of keeping something in your car. So it's always ready. Somebody should start yeah, a business exactly. around this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, one thing I did a few years ago when I really like dove deep into this lifestyle is what you mentioned in the book is a trash audit, basically going through your own garbage to figure out what you're actually throwing out. But yeah. what's interesting about this is that it, it is individual. Like you kind of have to figure out the areas that you are producing the most waste or the most garbage. And cause that's different for everyone. Like maybe someone eats mm-hmm. out a lot, but they don't really use plastic water bottles or, you know, everyone has their own way of creating whatever waste they're doing. So can you talk a little bit about how we can do a trash audit and how, yeah. how you did yours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely you don't actually have to, you know, dump out your trash bin unless you want to. My suggestion is to, you know, pick a date and a time frame and then start documenting the items that you're throwing out as you throw them out. So that way you're not like sorting through. You're like, ooh, this might be a little gross. And especially yeah. if you're not composting yet, then it's going to be extra gross. So yeah, um, yeah exactly. Right. I actually started with a pantry audit. So I do suggest a, a trash audit by, I personally went to the kitchen first. And so basically I was just kind of categorizing the type of waste that we were creating and figuring out what alternatives there were. And so milk was a really good example. So we would buy bagged milk. And then when I discovered that we could actually just get a returnable you know, glass jug, then I was like, okay, well, that's the alternative that can reduce the waste. So it's just, if you want to make note on your phone or in a notebook or in an Excel spreadsheet, I was just using a notebook at the time. I literally like drew lines and like, you know, whatever made a graph on my, you know, notepad and just like documented everything. And, and maybe that's not going to be for everybody, but it is true that, if, you know, when you document it, you're going to have a better snapshot of the trends that you're you know, in terms of how you're creating waste, but that's not for everybody. I think that's a bit more hardcore than some people are willing to go. You can just, you know, have a general sense, I think, of your consumption just by starting to look, you know, at what you're starting to toss, but documenting it certainly will give you a better idea of how to create goals to reduce your waste. And especially you can start to see trends throughout the year, certainly around, you know, birthdays or Christmas are different because like, you know, the holiday season, you know, regardless of what you celebrate, it seems to be a lot of holidays are stacked in the fall, right, you know, um, into January. So with that time of year, there's a lot more trash, about 25% more trash ends up going to landfill. So with that, you know, it's like good to know, okay, well, you know, if you documented it during the summer, it's going to change in the fall. So it's good to kind of like be continuously kind of conscious of the trash you're creating and figuring out how to reduce waste throughout the year. And then figuring out, okay, well, what alternatives are there? And that that's how we get into kind of more like low waste living and low waste shopping and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, one thing I learned in your book, which I didn't know, is that if there is food combined with garbage, it releases a gas into the atmosphere. And that's why they need to be separated. Yeah. So it creates methane gas, which is stronger than um, CO2, which is why it's like, okay, it's contributing to climate change. So the nice thing to think about when you reduce your waste in general and and sort waste properly, you know, the last thing I want is organic waste 
being mixed into a landfill, certainly it's not good for the planet, but you know, reducing your waste overall impacts all the other elements of environmental problems that we have, right? We've got the plastic waste in our ocean, we've got climate change and we've got, you know, we're losing wilderness because we're extracting so many resources. And so all of these elements, as soon as you adopt more a minimalist lifestyle that really, like you said, it really coincides nicely with, you know, eco-friendly living, so with that, you can definitely have a, a lower impact on the planet. So yes, composting is really, really important element of reducing your waste. The nice thing is, you know, a lot of municipalities are moving towards it if you don't already have it, but it really depends on where you live, you know, across the globe, like some places are going to have better waste management than others. So if you don't have access to compost, there's a lot of ways to compost at home, which is really cool. Or if you have access to like a farmer's market, maybe you can take a compost there or maybe, you know, a community garden. So there's kind of, you can start looking for unique ways to, to get your compost out. So so we're lucky because in our apartment buildings, we have it and yeah. I have a separate. That's separate great. Bins. Yeah. It's so great. But obviously then you also have to have one in your house, the little green bags yeah. ready to go into the compost. And Lauren had yeah, this yeah, great yeah. idea that she shared with me two and a half years ago. She says, put it in your freezer. So that doesn't smell so smart. I was like, why didn't I think yeah. of this either? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, there's so many unique ways once you start going down that rabbit hole to make life better <laughs> and less sticky. <laughs> Definitely. And and back to your pantry audit. I love when you talked about yeah. this in your book and you give the advice to remove expired and plastic products to start. And I was curious when you were, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about get organized with the home edit and how they, they'll take a lot of prepackaged foods and they'll place it into bins. I think they pl- place it into plastic and glass, but you recommend mm-hmm. here glass jars, of course, over plastic. Yeah. Now in this process, how can we better manage the food packaging that we let go of? Well, really, it's about just putting it in the right waste stream, right? So along with the trash audit is just understanding and learning your waste management system, because again, it varies from city to city. You know, what I've learned about recycling is that it's really about supply and demand, right? More about demand, because there's plenty of supply, because we're putting plenty of stuff in our recycling bins and trash bins. But really, you know, some municipalities will put something in recycling that another municipality will not accept in your recycling bin. So it's so critical to just know what goes where. And so when you're doing this in your kitchen and you're like decanting everything and putting, you know, the stuff that's in plastic packaging into nice containers, I do recommend jars, but obviously it depends on your household. Because if you have a lot of little hands, then maybe glass might not be as practical as plastic you know, it just is more realistic. But I just think for people who are much more conscious of like, um, the materials they're using in their home, glass tends to be good from like a health perspective. But again, it's a bit totally research oriented, it really depends on, you know, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but anyways, so just honestly, just figure out what it goes into. And if it goes into the trash, just put it in the trash, end of story, don't worry about it. And quite honestly, like, you know, with the pandemic, you know, our our habits changed a lot because, you know, all of a sudden the stores that we used to bring our reusable containers, like, we're like, no, sorry. Yeah. So now we're just starting to get back into the habit of like going to like full corner with our reusable containers again. So, so there's definitely a lot more plastic in our, our kitchen than there <laughs> was before. But at the same time, it's like, don't beat yourself up over it because there's so many other things that we do and like so many things that you can choose to do. Right. 
So no, very too. well said. Very well said. I mean, I have a reusable bag for even veggies, which is great. And like you, yeah. we have a place in a lot of our listeners are from the U S and elsewhere. And we have a place yeah. called bulk, bulk burn, as you mentioned. And I, I do that. I'll bring, I'll bring my jars there to fill it up, which is so smart. And you see a lot of people doing that. And then you, I think there's all these, also these little beeswax bags as well that you can start. I, I want to start using them so that you can put your nuts and stuff in there. <laughs> So Lauren, you That's go there perfect. too. Keep you don't have fresh. to. Use, yeah. But I, I was concerned. I was like, oh, it's going to weigh more. It's going to cost me more because I'm bringing these containers. But at the end of the day, it's not a big difference. So. Yeah. Well, actually, now that you mention it, because you have a lot of listeners in the U.S. and quite honestly, if anyone's outside the U.S. or Canada, um, Bea Johnson, who's a zero waste advocate as well, has an app online where you can literally figure out where there's places to do like bulk food shopping with your own containers. Um, So I think if you just Google and I can send you the link after so you can put it in the show notes, but basically um, you can like look for your city and find out where you can do zero waste shopping. So I know we referenced bulk barn, not everyone's going to have access to a bulk barn. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I'll send this after. So people who are listening who are interested in figuring out where they can shop can access this resource. And the cool thing is I think too, if, you know of a place that's maybe not on the app that you can like add it or something like that. So that's pretty cool. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot more people are getting on board. I was in bulk barn one time and a girl had a glass jar and she like saw another girl with a glass jar and was like, Hey, I got my glass jar too. Right? Isn't so great? funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. I love it's it. Like, it's like this, you know, new club, right? congratulating each other no I loved it I thought it was so cute actually Lauren Lauren bought me a reusable coffee mug maybe three years ago and I kid you not and Lauren I don't think I've ever told you this I haven't gone a day without using it I know you had it yesterday I saw you it's unbelievable oh you did yeah yeah (laughs) it's gone a long way price per use is like below a penny now so Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, like oh, that. I love it. Um, I, I want to talk about benefits with this lifestyle too. And one of the biggest things that I like came across because there are so many benefits, I think a lot of people is like, Oh, this is such a burden. Like I have to change so many things, but it, there's so many, like even Kelly and I talking about like the water bottle and the mug, like, I think those look so much nicer and it's so much nicer yeah. to like drink water out of like a nice glass water bottle instead of like constantly consuming water out of plastic. And yeah. even under my sink is so nice now because my garbage isn't mixed with food and all of this stuff. Like it doesn't Ooh, smell, it's, so it's not, <laughs> yeah. like, things are separated. It's a lot cleaner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you eat healthier, you save money. So I just want to talk about your biggest benefits you notice in the lifestyle and what other people will notice once they start adopting this. Yeah, one. for sure. I really, I actually really struggle with the narrative around the lifestyle being so hard. And I think there's this really big scarcity mindset that people are really seeing, like they feel like they're going to do without and like, you know, that it's going to be really hard. And, and I totally get that. And even for people within the lifestyle, I feel like even people who are adopting the lifestyle are also feeling the crunch of like, oh, I have to be like, do all the things and feel, do all the rules and make sure I'm checking all the boxes. But like the benefits, I think if you focus on those instead of like all the drawbacks, because if you think about all the obstacles, you're just going to like, forget it. So, so I do love the idea of talking about the benefits of the lifestyle. So financial savings is a huge one. 
basically the lifestyle will save you money because you're, you know, starting to become a much more conscious consumer, right? So you're going to consume less, but consume better is, is the way that I like to think about it. And I think this is where, you know, there's a huge overlap with minimalism because I was kind of living on autopilot before I discovered this lifestyle that I was just spending, kind of living paycheck to paycheck, constantly looking at my credit card bill and being like, oh my gosh, I could hope I pay it this month. Or you know what I mean? Like, ooh, hopefully I don't have to roll anything over into the next month. And I think we're just kind of used to that lifestyle as a society now, right? We're living life on credit. A lot of people have consumer debt that has nothing to do with like student loans or mortgages. And because of that, we're really struggling financially because we're constantly shopping and we're not you know, addressing the shopping issue, right? We're just like, oh, we have credit card debt, but I'm going to go buy that new shirt from, you know, this fast fashion mm-hmm. store or whatever. You don't really make that connection. So definitely you're going to save some money once you start becoming a conscious consumer. And it's not about deprivation because it's not like I stopped shopping. It's not like I don't like shopping. And, and certainly that's a, a really important part of just being human is, you know, having to buy clothes, right? I mean, unless you're a nudist and you move to a nudist colony, but most of us wear clothes. So inevitably <laughs> we're going to go shopping and, and have some clothes but it's like how much clothing do you need and how much of your clothes represent how you feel and actually this is funny because like I'm going through a big transformation right now personally because I just had a baby in the fall and so my body's completely changed so now I'm like looking at my wardrobe being like okay well a lot of this stuff doesn't suit me anymore it doesn't fit my body the same way and so now I'm I'm really having to like transform my wardrobe but with that, I'm trying to do it very consciously and, and, you know, I'm trying to work with what I have and then figuring out what I need and not just mindlessly shopping and, and just spending money. And so the savings is a huge piece. And I, I talk a lot about that in the book and figure, like helping people make that transition because it's not something that you can just do overnight. It's a lot of habit changing. And so the book really tries to help you figure out what your motivations are but then beyond the financial piece and just even reusable so quickly another note on that but like once you go from disposable to reusables that will save you a lot of money too right so it's just not conscious consumption it's also just switching things to things that will last a lifetime that will save you money and a great example of that is like the safety razor that I switched to I used to buy disposable uh, razor blades for a plastic razor that I had. And I would spend so much money on it. It was like really expensive. And like, I just was spending so much money that in menstrual products, you know, I could drop 80 to hundred dollars a month on like toiletries. And like, then when I went to reusables, I was like, you know, saving so much money, which was sweet. So then, you know, if you're worried about sustainable living being a bit more expensive, because for example, if you're interested in sustainable and ethical fashion, well, you know, your savings in one area can certainly help you perhaps afford to, you know, invest in brands that you believe in. But otherwise, yeah, eating healthier is a huge piece, right? Because, you know, packaged foods, not always, but typically tend to be more processed foods. So if you're eating more package free, then you're probably eating healthier. Um, But that also, again, depends on where you live, right? Because I know people who are like, oh, like I can't go to the grocery store and get plastic free produce. Okay, well, in your case, that's a different situation. But for some people, if you have access to a farmer's market or grocery store where you can get plastic free produce and that kind of thing, then then definitely do that if you can. And then other benefits, just like I like the minimalism piece and reducing the clutter and reducing, you know, just, for example, just sharing your boundaries with other people in terms of, you know, gift giving and 
that kind of stuff because a lot of stuff comes in from other people, right? If you get unwanted gifts at the holiday season from people that are, you know, well-meaning, but then you're like, what do I do with this, right? If it's not something you're going to want or use. So you end up, you know, reducing the clutter in your home because you're like now setting new boundaries. And because I just had a new baby, I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get some other stuff. And quite frankly, I'm sure it's inevitable once you hit school that it is gonna be hard to manage we're still going to try, but you know, this past Christmas, we were like, Oh, like she has an education fund. And that is right now the most that we want to need for her. We have everything else. We don't need anything else. And so thankfully, you know, we had family who contributed to her education fund. And so that was really great. So, um, yeah, so (laughs) I could go on about benefits, but I, all I can say is like, you know, the piece that comes with, and I mean that like just the peacefulness that comes from living a low waste lifestyle is really nice. I love hearing that. I love it. I love it. Now, now one, sorry, you mentioned, you mentioned the things coming in and out. And you also said in your book that you were a yes girl and you learned the power and say (laughs) no and setting boundaries with your family. And I love hearing that they contributed to their future education versus all of these little knickknacks around the house. And of course, maybe they'll give you one of those once in a while, but it's just communicating in advance. Even, even Lauren and myself, we say for certain birthdays and, and, and celebrations, Oh, we don't need a gift. We can just spend time with each other. And Mm -hmm. Lauren is very much the person who's like, I don't want any free stuff on the streets. And I've become (laughs) that person too. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want your samples unless it's of course from Sephora. I do like those samples. I got to be careful with that. Uh, and, and, you know, (laughs) gifts from family and friends, you can, you can always re-gift, but again, communication in advance is so important, but I want to move the conversation back to sustainable fashion because you talk about how to shop more sustainably. Now you also mentioned that your wardrobe has changed and that this lifestyle has really helped you kind of step back and reflect on what you currently own so that you can make smarter decisions Mm -hmm. once you go into stores. Now, I'm hoping it seems like obviously you try to look for brands that are more consciously made and high quality. Now, how can we look for high quality clothes without breaking the bank? Because that's a question that we're asked often, but we usually communicate that, you know, we look for high quality items, but we have a smaller wardrobe because it's all about price Mm -hmm. per wear. Those clothes will go a long way. And what Mm -hmm. types of materials should we be looking for? For sure. Okay. So there's a couple of ways, like a few different ways you can work towards a more sustainable closet. First of all, again, is progress over perfection. You don't have to be perfect, you know, ever. Um, So I like to compare the fact that like people are spending more annually on clothing than they did adjusting for inflation than the 1970s. And when you go back even like a hundred years ago, you know, the average you know, women's closet had nine outfits. I can imagine that most people today have a plethora of outfits, perhaps one for every day of the month or more, right? So it's not like we are suddenly being deprived of fashion when we're like, okay, you know, perhaps it might be better to have fewer items that you spend more on. People might like have sticker shock, but at the same time, if they actually calculated how much money they spent on clothing for their entire year, they would likely be able to readjust how they shopped to be able to support the more expensive 
clothing, for example, that is sustainably and ethically made. So people are being paid living wages. And this isn't meant to, it probably sounds a little snobby. It's not meant to sound snobby, but it's just really just, you know, uplifting everybody in society, right? Who doesn't want to make an earning like a living wage, right? So that's one way to go about it, right? Just consider how much you're spending on fashion and can you reallocate that? But you don't have to go right to sustainable and ethical fashion brands. You can also go secondhand shopping, right? Or for me personally, I love going to consignment stores because they've kind of already sifted through the higher quality stuff, right? And so it's a more curated experience compared to going to a big box thrift store where it might be harder to find things that you would personally like or enjoy. Depends on your style. Maybe that's your cup of tea. For me, I do like consignment store for just, you know, the ease of the process. So in terms of affordability, there's certainly lots of options. And the cool thing is depending on where you live, you know, and actually that's not even true. Like depending on where you live, you might have access to renting clothes. So if you have a big event, for example, maybe a wedding you're going to, you could rent a nice, beautiful dress. So that way you don't have to break the bank buying something fancy or you can, you know, trade and share and swap with friends. But I think even now there are online stores that allow you to rent and return, which is really cool. So that's why I was saying, oh, it doesn't matter where you live. But I know in like Toronto, for example, you can go try stuff on, rent some stuff and then return it when you're done, which is really neat. So there's so many different ways to have a, you know, more sustainable wardrobe with fewer pieces that's more curated, you know, because there's, you know, how many people open their closet and be like, I have so many clothes, but nothing to wear, right? Because we've bought stuff that was on a whim. It doesn't match anything else. Or quite honestly, maybe it's not as comfortable as we thought. We didn't assess it enough at the time, or maybe it doesn't suit us because it's not really the right shape or whatever. So there's so many problems we have with our wardrobe, but if we actually just took a moment to get rid of the stuff that we don't want, you know, take it to consignment or give it to friends and family, or at the end, you can donate it, right? So whittle it down and then figure out what your style is, the pieces that you're missing, and then invest in those pieces. So I'm kind of going through that process right now because my body's changed so much. So I'm like, okay, figuring out what I need, but it's still changing. So I have to be careful not to buy too much stuff right now because, you know, I've heard women say, you know, give it at least a year before you buy too many pieces of clothing because your body's still changing, right? So I'm, you know, being conscious of, of that. But, you know, come fall, winter, I'm probably going to be investing in a few pieces. But also a lot of people are like, well, what about fast fashion, right? Because they are concerned that that's something that they they do and, and want to, you know, make it easier and more affordable to buy stuff. So I'm always like, okay, well, I'm not going to tell you not to go shop fast fashion. But if you are going to buy fast fashion, don't treat it like fast fashion, right? So go with the intention of buying something from a fast fashion store that you are going to love and look after and have for a very long period of time. Because I, again, I don't want people to feel so restricted by this lifestyle. But at the same time, fast fashion is built to create a desire for us to buy new stuff literally every single week and then toss, toss it the week after, right? And that is not a sustainable practice from so many levels. So it's really not meant to be depriving. So just figure out where you fit in the spectrum of what you know a sustainable closet could look like. Amazing. I love the idea of shopping your friend's closets. We should do that more often, Lauren. <laughs> Although we, we own the have same all the same stuff. stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say. 
another thing that's funny, which Kelly said before, that I, I don't take anything when people give me free stuff on the street. Um, yesterday they were passing out iced tea with vodka in it. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> that I'll use. <laughs> that's but hilarious. No, it, it, it's so true. I feel like too, even after the pandemic, like with uh, people are struggling with their closets and what to buy and no, there, there's so right? much. I know it's different. Like, especially with all the zoom stuff, it's like, well, do I even need to put pants on? I don't know. Yeah, I know. We, only, <laughs> we, know we only need tights and, and dressy shirts. <laughs> or, or, yeah, wearing. exactly. Um, another thing I, I wanted to talk to you about, which I find difficult. I, I feel like I'm so blunt as a person, but just like getting other people on board and doing it <laughs> respectively. <laughs> Instead of just telling them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. And, and really, it's about leading by example, right? You know, you can't force people into living a lifestyle that they don't. And quite frankly, none of us would be want to be forced into a lifestyle, right? So, for example, like, when I was criticized about, you know, not being a vegan, I took a pause. And I was like, okay, like, I've watched a lot of the documentaries, I, I get where they're coming from. And so, for example, like, I had given up beef and dairy for a number of reasons. I, I, once I got pregnant, I actually started consuming those again, but once I'm finished breastfeeding, I'll be removing those from my lifestyle again. But for now I am consuming a little bit, but I'm just like, you know, it really has to be personal preference, right? Because there's so many different elements involved in people's, you know, personal circumstances. You've got like layers, like cultural layers, right? Like people, you know, from a cultural perspective, have different, you know, preferences and, you know, budgetary perspectives and, you know, what you have access to, where you live, there's so many different elements, right? So it's really just having to do what works for you, but also learning together. So for example, if you live in a household with other people, especially kids, for example, you know, telling them what to do is not a really good thing. (laughs) This is not going to get adopters right away. But leading by example, at least from a parenting perspective, is really, really key. But this, this is regardless of parenting, right? If you don't have kids in your household, and if you live alone, that's easy, you can do whatever you want, right? But if you do have other people in your house, you know, learning together is really important. So for example, when my husband and I, when I started adopting this lifestyle, you know, I would watch a documentary and when he watched it with me, he was way more inspired to make changes than me telling him what to do, right? Me being like, yeah. we need to reduce plastic in our household is not going to be like inspiring compared to let's watch like a plastic ocean together. And he'd be like, oh, wow, that's a huge problem. Like we need yeah. to deal with that. So it's really just about the approach and learning together and just leading by example and just knowing that not everybody's going to get on board quite frankly. Like I would like to Marie Kondo his closet and it can barely close sometimes and it drives me bananas. But then I just like, I'm just going to close the closet doors and walk away. Okay. It's his mess. It's his choice to be so messy. I can't handle it, but it's his choice. Right. So I think ultimately we have to realize that people will make their own choices if you want to be blunt, that's fine, but it may not get a bunch of adopters. I don't know. How, how has that bluntness been working out for you? <laughs> you know what? I just moved in with my boyfriend about two months ago. And what's amazing about him is he's very receptive to things like minimalism and environmentalism. Like he's like, yeah, great. Like, let's try it. But, so I, I am lucky in that sense, but then with my mother, she's more like, oh, I like my stuff. Don't touch that. So <laughs> 
You got to find the right person, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, some people are attached to stuff. And I find older generations, too, sometimes, not everybody. I don't want to put everybody in the same box. But still, you know, for example, with my parents and and my husband's parents, it's kind of the same conversation. You know, we were dealing with, um, like, his parents had kept stuff from when him and his brother were babies. Like, oh, we have their crib. You might want it. And I'm like, no, I don't want your crib. Like, just, you know, like, the standards have changed, quite frankly, from, like, the 80s to now. So, so like, for us, when we have all of Emma's stuff, Emma's our, you know, seven-month-old baby, when we're done with that crib, which we bought secondhand but it wasn't from the 80s it was you know a bit newer because like literally they they have regulations and standards for cribs and so it was still within that time frame and that in and of itself is a waste issue that we could talk about but I'm not I don't think I'll go there right now but anyways so with her crib as soon as you know we know we're done having children we will not be keeping that for 30 years wondering if Emma's going to use that for her babies because I'd rather see that item being used by another family immediately than to hold on to something like that right it's way better it's less clutter that's in our household right we're not holding on to all that stuff and it's giving use to something immediately right that somebody who wants and needs to use that item so true so well said So in terms of inspiring others, you share an amazing challenge that you took on that actually inspired me as a reader and Lauren as well. And we we have done this before. You call it the no by month challenge, which I believe you said was inspired by author Kate Flanders, who wrote the book Year of Less, which is actually a book I haven't read yet. So I have to read that. Now, how did this experience help you? And can you share some tips to help our listeners get started? Yeah, for sure. So I was feeling a bit financially hungover. Actually, I did this in the month like uh, January after like a holiday season. And I was just like, oh, I looked at my credit card and I was like, my credit card needs a breather. So I decided to do a no buy month for the whole month of January that year. And it was great because, you know, you really get to set the parameters. But basically for me, I was just going to stop shopping. Like I just wasn't going to buy anything. You know, you don't obviously stop paying your bills. And if you need toilet paper, go buy my toilet paper. But, you know, I wasn't going to buy makeup. I wasn't going to buy clothing. I wasn't going to buy home decor, like a lot of that stuff that, you know, especially in January, there's a ton of sales typically because companies are like, oh, like people are hungover from shopping. We'll just put everything on sale so people keep shopping, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, steer clear of any temptations don't go to the mall don't look at instagram accounts or or do online you know browsing even right just stay steer clear of things that will you know inspire you to spend your money and the nice thing is it gives you a, a minute to realize that you don't need to shop all the time and the other thing is as well is that it gives you a chance to really focus on other things other than shopping, like your hobbies, maybe you want to go hiking or, or whatever. So when I was writing down the kind of the parameters or my personal roles, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do instead of shopping? And it's not like I'm, you know, constantly shopping, but some people like shopping is a hobby. So you might need to figure out what am I going to do every Saturday if I'm not shopping, right? So be like, okay, well, you know, I wanted to go hiking, I wanted to do potlucks with friends, I wanted to, you know, spend more time with family. So it's just making that list of things that you want to do instead, because 
because otherwise your default might just go back to shopping, right? So for people to do a no buy a month challenge, I suggest, you know, figuring out what you're not going to spend money on. And maybe you might need to take a quick look at your credit card bill and figure out, okay, where you're spending a lot of your money and be like, okay, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. Or maybe you don't even need to look at it because you already know where you spend all your money, right? So if you're constantly buying a certain type of thing, maybe it's makeup or or whatever, and it's easy for you to drop a hundred or two hundred or however many dollars on those things, then then remove that and then figure out, you know, your default, like what are you gonna do instead? So that way you have a plan. Plus it's nice or, or picking up a hobby, right? Maybe you really want to learn how to knit. So then you do knitting and then maybe that stuff that you've already already purchased for knitting is sitting you know collecting dust then it's time to pick up those hobbies right and and do those things and it's really cool because you can this is a really good way to develop new habits that you'll take on with you for you know beyond that month challenge you can realize that you can spend more time hiking than shopping and it's probably going to have a long-term impact on your wallet Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love how it's helped you uncover your wasteful habits. For me, it was the year 2020 that I ended up only buying two pieces of clothing all year. I remember Lauren's face. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's all I bought. I mean, it, I mean, great. again, it was also the pandemic. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. So I it wasn't is, actively yeah. out there shopping. So it was much easier, but I think, what would you say was one of your biggest benefits of this? Was it, was it that you saved money? Was it that you were more conscious of your spending habits or? Yeah. Well, I think it was just how easy it was. I think at the end of the day that people think, oh, not shopping, no buying, like that's going to be really hard. And it's actually not that hard. It's just that we don't really think about doing it, right? We're living life on autopilot and we're not really thinking about the other options of how we can live our life. So once you do it, and it's really not that depriving. And the thing is, uh, is I always suggest having a wish list in terms of being a conscious consumer. So say you were out and you find something that you're like, oh, I would love to buy that. Don't buy it and give it some time to think about it and put it on a wish list. So I have a couple different ways I've, you know, curated a wish list. I literally just use the notes app on my phone and like have a wish list of things like, oh, I could really use a new pair of Birkenstocks this summer. So I put it on my wish list or whatever. And then if I'm at the mall, it's not, I don't, not very often at the mall. Um, but if I was and I saw something, then I'd be like, oh, that looks like a really nice whatever. I'll put it on my wish list. And then, you know, give it a few days and you're like, oh, I really don't need that item. So you just delete it from your wish list. But I also am very visual. So sometimes I like, to have a Pinterest wish list, like have a private board on Pinterest where I like, I'm like, oh, I really love this. So I like the, the visual of it. And just, it's, it's nice too, because that, it helps you if you're, for example, looking to buy new clothing that helps you curate the, to see if it matches your existing like closet and stuff like that, right? If you have that visual component to it. So depending on how, you know, you like to maybe develop your own wish list, you can literally write it down and be like, oh, no, I don't need that anymore. It's amazing the things that you'll take off that list and never buy and reduce your consumption, right? Because if you buy it on a whim, it's probably going to be that thing that sits in your closet that you never use. Yeah, I always use the wish list. And I would go back like a month later and look at it and be like, I'm so glad I didn't buy some of this stuff. Like I wouldn't right? actually have used it. And that would have been such a waste of money. A waste um, of and, money, yeah. 
And I do the no by month in January, but I feel like I'm so exhausted from shopping and buying gifts and everything that I remember I was in line at a store and like before Christmas and the fire alarm was going off and I've been waiting for 20 minutes and it was packed. And I was like, I'm so excited for no buy month. (laughs) Right. And it doesn't have to be just a month, right? You could do it for a whole year. If you had like everything that you needed, which most of us probably do, then just, you know, stop shopping. Plus you can get stuff other ways too, right? You can join like a buy nothing group on Facebook. You can find stuff for free all the time. You can trade and swap. So if you were like really needed something, I'm sure you could find it for free somewhere, right? So, you know, you could easily save so much money by doing that. And, you know, I put stuff for free on Facebook all the time and it's amazing what people will pick up or if I'm looking for something and I'm like, oh, I find it secondhand and it's fantastic, right? So, so for example, when, you know, we were doing the nursery, I have expensive taste apparently, but whatever. <laughs> so I really wanted, um, and I say that just because my husband's like, everything you look at is so expensive. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's because I really want to buy the, you know, the nice stuff, the good quality stuff, the stuff that'll last forever. And so we were, we were doing her nursery. I really wanted to buy Pottery Barn and West Elm Collaboration Glider. And then there was a Pottery Barn Kids um, Crib. And the reason why I really was interested is because they have Green Guard certified furniture, because I think a lot of people don't realize that some of the furniture actually off gases um, and create, creates indoor air pollution in our homes because of the certain materials that are used in furniture. And so I wanted to have like a healthy nursery, right? That one that's going to be non toxic. And I actually, had written an entire blog post about you know how to create an eco-friendly and non-toxic nursery so I literally picked the crib picked the glider that I wanted but then I started scouring like Kijiji which is kind of like Craigslist if you're in the United States and um, Facebook marketplace and all those avenues and I found exactly what I was looking for secondhand but in fantastic condition so we ended up buying them so it saved a lot of money because it was way less expensive than buying it brand new and it was exactly what I wanted which was the green guard certified so I was really pleased with that purchase and then again like I said when we're done using it it'll be in still great condition for somebody to to use after that so we'll we'll probably resell it when the time comes that's a great reminder and tip because a lot of us, we think, oh, we'll buy it brand new, but we can also buy that item secondhand. I mean, I have to, I have to move in a few months and I was thinking, oh, I really want this couch. It's so beautiful. And then I was like, oh, I can check other websites. Cause I'm sure there's someone who's only lived here for a year who needs to get rid of their couch. You know, you don't know, yes. I mean, you can always find secondhand of certain pieces. Uh, so it's definitely something to explore. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to add to your list of great tips that for me, my, we, we, we believe in the needs and wants list. So I have actually a bookmark bar, uh, a little folder in the bookmark bar that says wants. And yeah, <laughs> I go through it probably bi-weekly. And I look back and I'm like, yeah, I wanted that. Why would I want that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. I know. <laughs> it's awesome. That's it's weird. really, really helpful. Yeah. So, and I also want to quickly note. So for example, a lot of people are like, oh, the lifestyle is not very affordable, right? Like if it's expensive, right? So for example, like if I had bought those two items brand new, I think it would have been like over $2,000. But there are people who are listening who might not be worried about finances at all, right? So if you literally just have so much money in your bank account and you can buy all the things brand new, it doesn't mean you have to, right? So I always like to also think about the other end, right? So for people who 
are, you know, have a lot of disposable income, that doesn't mean that you don't have to participate in the secondhand economy. And it certainly isn't intended to be something that only people that, you know, don't have a lot of money participate in. I think everybody should, it should become a more mainstream thing because at the end of the day, like I said, like we're sharing this planet and the secondhand economy is so important to building a circular economy where nothing is wasted, right? And so instead of, I think there's a bit of a stigma and I think a lot of that has changed over the years, but there still might be for some people a bit of a stigma about secondhand. And so it's like, okay, well, how can we move away from that? Because at the end of the day, you know, for example, humans only live for so long. So, you know, we can't take it to the grave with us, right? And so mm -hmm. at the end of the day, st our stuff is going to have to go to someone else and not to try and make it so morbid, right? So our stuff needs to keep circulating in the economy. So I just think it's really important, no matter what your budget is, to support secondhand shopping. And it doesn't have to be everything. And certainly you don't have to go buy your undies secondhand. <laughs> That's not something you want or need to do. No. Don't, don't do it if you don't want to. But there are so many other ways to participate in the sharing economy and getting stuff secondhand, regardless of your income level. I think that's such an important piece because it's always framed in the whole like, oh, it needs to be affordable. Well, what if you can't afford to buy every single item in your home brand new? You don't still have to do that either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the secondhand market in the future is going to be massive. Right. Yeah. It's that's almost already necessary. Massive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So just for our listeners, right when they finish listening to this podcast, like what can they get started with today? Yes. Okay. So make a swap that you want to do. So I have, you know, a really great portion on my website, like it's called Zero Waste 101. So my blog is the zerowastecollective.com and ch go check out Zero Waste 101. So I have a couple pages dedicated to, you know, simple swaps you can make in your kitchen or simple swaps you can make, you know, in your bathroom. So aside from like earlier on, I talked about having a zero waste kit. So certainly do that. That's a certain, like an easy thing you can do after you listen to this podcast, go and like put together your zero waste kit. So it's easy and ready to go. But otherwise, like make some simple swaps that you're really keen to do. Maybe it's switching to a safety razor. Maybe it's switching to, you know, beeswax wrap or Swedish sponge cloth or instead of bottled shampoo and conditioner going to the shampoo and conditioner bar. So definitely just make a simple swap today and it'll, you know, reduce your, your waste really quickly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's those little actions every day. And one of the biggest highlights I took away from your book is that it's on the individual level to create a monumental change. You say it's yeah. the individual actions that you said, quote, create monumental collective impact as global movements led by us individuals can help put pressure on governments and large corporations to create change. Like it, it's at the yes. end of the day, it's us and we shouldn't put pressure on ourselves to be zero, like zero ways. There's just low ways yeah, exactly. adopting little yeah. things that we can do every day. Right. So yeah. yeah. And I, I really, I honestly, I have to express to our listeners, your takeaways in that book are so amazing. Like the, the swap ideas that you give, it's incredible. Like there's pages and pages of, Hey, this is your bathroom. This is your kitchen. This is another room. This yes. is how you can swap things and you make it really, really practical. So thank you. Yeah, exactly. Just implementing one thing can change your bathroom or one thing can change your experience in your kitchen. It's really about streamlining and simplifying and living your best life, right? Like, again, it's going back to the benefits is, is really like about living your best life for sure. Yeah. So to close our conversation in your book, you state that your low waste journey has been a full on lifestyle transformation. And I loved hearing that. And you explain how reducing your waste also simplified and enhanced your life and made 
you more purposeful in all areas of your life. So can you share some of the ways living with less ways has made you more intentional in other areas of your life today? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm certainly much more intentional about my overall lifestyle, right? So when I when I do things, when I buy things, like I'm I'm really, you know, intent on living my best life and and being the one to decide what my life looks like and not living on autopilot and being like, oh well, I'm just gonna follow the status quo. You know, it, it's given me a chance to be like get off the beaten path and live my life that in a way that's more authentic to me. And that is what I try to inspire in the readers. So for example, I I'm working towards like building wealth and investing in real estate with my husband. And so in order to do that, we've had to be very conscious of our finances because a lot of people are like, oh, like I don't think we can afford to do that. So it's changing the question of, okay, if you think you can't afford to do that, ask yourself, how can you afford to do that? And so when you flip it, it gives you a chance to be like, oh, maybe I can change my lifestyle, right? And so this is really about taking control and taking action, living an intentional and authentic life and, and, and living life on your own terms, really. So you can do things, you can do hard things and, and you, know, you can live your best life according to the way you want to live it. Amazing. And now you've created space to inspire others to live sustainably with your blog, which is- I amazing. hope so. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so they can check out my blog, the zero waste collective.com. Um, I do have a couple Instagram pages, but I'm spending a lot less time on Instagram just to simplify my life. So I definitely recommend just checking out my blog right now um, for typically weekly blog posts, the zero waste collective.com. I certainly recommend that people check out the book, Don't Be Trashy, A Practical Guide to Living with Less Waste and More Joy, <laughs> wherever books are sold yeah. and at the library. Yes. Yes. Reusable, reusable. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll have to do this again soon. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening. That was our conversation with author Tara McKenna. And we hope that our shared insights have left you feeling motivated to adopt more sustainable habits. Tara's book, Don't Be Trashy, has a ton of tips to help you replace bad habits with conscious ones. And if you're looking to adopt a low to zero waste lifestyle, definitely check out Tara's blog at zerowastecollective.com. And you can find this link and a link to her book in the show notes. And as always, I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who have been listening in. And if you haven't already, please rate and review us on iTunes. Your five-star reviews really motivate us to continue our journeys and bring on more exciting guests. So thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll speak with you soon. Bye-bye.